If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. It's time for you to add value. Are you struggling with stress? Do you feel like life is out of control? Do you run out of time to get your to-do list tackled? Well, we have a special gift for you. Stop by addvaluemindset.com and claim your free gift today. Today's guest is Jeff Fulkerson. Jeff is on a mission to rid the world of terrible websites. He's the founder of Frobo Web Technologies, a company whose goal is to help position your business for success online. He believes that every business needs a professional website to centralize their customer acquisition efforts, even if your actual services don't involve anything digital. He personally knows that the impact of a great website or fro can have on your image and on the perception of others and wants to help other business owners stand out and be represented online in the best way possible. Jeff Fulkerson and Robert talk about his incredible fro and how he capitalizes on the uniqueness of his attention-getting fro to promote business-building, attention-getting websites. Jeff's goal is to rid the world of terrible websites. You want people to remember you in a positive way and stop faking it, but grow to become the kind of person you're faking it to be. Jeff shares some quick tips to make your website and ads better. Help your customers have a positive interaction with you on your website. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Just looking forward to uh, sharing your story and, and learning about FroBro. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. And I must say, your smile lives up to your nickname. <laughs> well, thank you. That's kind of how it came about. I got enough people saying, wow, you're always smiling. I was like, aha. <laughs> there you <laughs> it go, only, the smiling it only took It only took three and a half years for me to say, <laughs> oh, maybe I should use that. But the important thing is you figured it out. I, I did. I'm slower than most, but I <laughs> eventually get there. So. Well, Jeff, typically I have guests just share their entrepreneurial journey and tell us, you know, the basic gist of how they made the decision to leap into entrepreneurship and, and some of the, you know, the, the, the bumps and challenges, but really leading to what they're doing today. Sure. I mean, I've always uh, kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit, I think, ever since I was a kid. Um, I did a lemonade stand, uh, did, you know, sold cookies to the bikers who were up in the morning driving or riding by <laughs> bright and early. In high school, I would buy candy at uh, like Smart and Final or these bulk places and then sell it to my classmates for his money. So I was always doing something. Uh, but then I got into computers. You know, I was always interested in that, built them, made websites for friends and family. I studied computer science. And uh, so I did that on the side, making websites and stuff. And then I decided at a certain point, I should just make this my thing, right? So I, I started Furrow in 2016. And I've been helping businesses since then with web design, SEO, uh, lead generation, that, that sort of thing. So it's been a fun journey. Well, and that's that's a technology for many entrepreneurs that's that's kind of hard to keep up with, right? I mean, websites, SEO, um, that that those are spaces that are constantly in motion. Yeah, I mean, there's always new technologies coming out, new frameworks, and new ways of doing things. Um, I mean, at a certain point, yes, you got to keep up uh, and figure out what's out there, but you can also get a better idea of what's worth switching to and when it's not worth switching. Because if you're always trying to switch to the next latest thing, yeah, you're, you're going to be spinning your wheels and you can't keep up. But uh, if you find something good that works, you can stick with that and also improve it along the way to make sure that it keeps up or is improving 
uh, you know, to keep pace with other technologies. But and, and so when I first started, a website was kind of, I don't know, the idea of a business card and you know, just the space to verify that, oh, you really existed, right? I mean, mostly I was doing local business at the time. And, and so it was one of those things when you hand out all your business cards at a chamber of commerce event and they have something to go check and see, oh, this guy, oh, he really is right. real, right? Mm-hmm. But, a, but an effective website is, can be so much more than, than just a, a business card or a verification that you exist. Right. Well, it's really, it's this, the hub or the center of all your marketing efforts. Because like you said, it's on your business card, it's on your flyers, it's in your email signature. Anytime uh, you're talking to someone, you're networking, you send them back to your website. So it's something that you should be investing some time and thought into. Uh, and unfortunately, there's a lot of small business owners who haven't done that, either just because maybe they were, don't feel technologically savvy or it's intimidating, or maybe they just never got around to it. Um, and then there's those who made a website years ago because you're supposed to. So they tick the box and then never give it a second thought. But all of those are missing the opportunity of if you, you know, put a little time and effort into it, that website can actually be an asset for your business uh, as opposed to something that just sits there. Absolutely. Well, and, and combined with SEO, it, it can actually draw traffic to you and, and become right. a lead tool. And, exactly. and of course, SEO can be scary for, for entrepreneurs and most of them, their websites probably aren't using those SEO spaces that, that you know, keywords right. and, and the things that draw people, um, which are really powerful and, and, and maybe different than they were five years ago, right? A little more, little more challenging in some of the spaces like coaching um, mm-hmm. and others, yes. but, but still very usable. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of different ways to get people to your website. Uh, ads is one of them. Networking is another. SEO is a big one. And the thing with SEO is if you spend a little time learning about some of the basics, you can hit some of that low-hanging fruit and bump your website ranking up. Now, obviously, there are uh, companies like mine that can help you with the ongoing portion if you actually want to build up your authority over time. Because like it or not, it is something that just takes time (laughs) because you're trying to outrank your competitors. So it's just going to take a while. Uh, but you can get some quick wins if you update your title tag, make sure you got a good H1 tag that's descriptive of what's on your page, uh, just so you can get in front of the people who are searching for the things that you offer. Nice. All right. So 2016, you jump into FroBro and, and just really focusing on, on websites, on SEO, on, on all the pieces of, you know, basically a company's, you know, like you said, the hub of their marketing. And mm-hmm. so how valuable is, is connections in, in, in building your business in, in, in reaching out? And, and obviously I think, I, don't know, I feel like there's a group of entrepreneurs that, that want to sit in the basement of their house and never leave. <laughs> and then there's the entrepreneurs that are, you know, out there networking and constantly. And I think there's obviously room for both, but maybe there's a place where you can find harmony or balance between those two ideas. Yeah, and I think those extremes have a lot to do with your individual personality, right? If you're more of an introvert, you're more likely to stay at home and want to figure things out through the tools that you can use online. Whereas if you're more extroverted, networking is the way to go, right? And uh, it, it, on the one hand, it kind of depends on what industry you're in and who you're trying to connect with, right? That can be a, a decision uh, factor in terms of deciding how to spend your time marketing or getting in front of other people. 
because if you are in front of the wrong group or you don't want to be wasting your time essentially. Uh, so figure out where your group is and then go there. Now, in some cases that is online, other cases that's in person, sometimes it's both. So uh, you never have to be stuck in just one area. Uh, it is always good to kind of branch out and see if you have, uh, you can set up multiple channels of people coming to your business. Uh, because then if one goes down for some reason, you still have another one to bring people to you. So referral partners, SEO, ads, networking, you know, trade shows, whatever you're doing, those are different ways to get people to your site, which hopefully you've implemented well so that it can turn them into customers. Well, and speaking of that idea, what, what tools have been the most effective in your own case of building an audience and generating leads? Uh, well, I've tried a lot of things over the years because as <laughs> I mean, this is something I'm offering to my clients. So I need to do it myself first to make sure that I know how to do it, what's effective. And uh, so at the same, I'm always running multiple things for myself. So I've got LinkedIn automation uh, running. So I've got connector campaigns where I'm reaching out to people um, that might be a good fit for working with me or partnerships. I'm running ads. Uh, I'm doing cold email outreach. Um, and of course, I'm still networking. I'm, I'm part of, uh, there's a great group called H7. Uh, if, if you're looking for a good networking group, that's a, a really flexible one. And it's a great one to join. A lot of great people there. Um, and, and I've, of course, done in-person things too. I, I speak, I go on podcasts, and I'm trying to get myself in front of uh, different potential clients while also furthering my own mission of ridding the world of terrible websites uh, by hopefully providing some insight that people can take away and improve their sites on their own. I don't know if I really answered the question, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely, I think you did. I mean, you mentioned okay. four, four great ways that you're generating leads. And before that, you'd already mentioned that you should have multiple lead okay. sources, right? Because mm -hmm. that, that's the challenge for uh, many entrepreneurs, right? That that funnel finally hits and they're like, woo, we've struck it rich and we've got the perfect funnel. And then that funnel goes dry <laughs> and, and they don't have another plan or any okay. other lead source. And so, yeah, I like the idea of having multiple leads and, you know, Combining, you know, a LinkedIn campaign, connect campaign with cold emails. Those are both um, pretty challenging marketing systems for some, right? For, yes, they, they some. are. It, it can be daunting, especially when you look at how many respond out of the number that you send. And it's like, ah, oh, is this worth it? But if you run the math, it usually is. Um, it, it depends how you do it, of course. You can always optimize and improve. And you should be measuring your campaigns and testing different headlines, doing the split testing to make sure that you are getting the most bang for your buck and getting the most out of these campaigns. Yes, we had Alex Berman was a guest and shared about, you know, cold email manifesto and, and, and really the numbers, I mean, a numbers game is ultimately, but, yep. but it's a numbers game that works if, if mm -hmm. you use it well. <laughs> and, and right. so I mean, if you're trying to sell effective. an item for two ninety nine. You're going to be so, having to send a lot of emails and trying to, your conversion rate is going to have to be really good. But if you've got a higher ticket offer uh, or some ongoing service that you're providing, then it can certainly be worth it. Yeah. But you don't need to make, you don't need to make very many sales at a couple thousand dollars to cover. <laughs> right. It starts cost. getting easier the higher up you go. And that also allows you to provide a better service. Right. So it's kind of a win-win in, uh, in that sense. I did want to mention one other thing, kind of we touched on briefly, having that single uh, channel of leads uh, when you're running a business. And I, I think a lot of people fall into this trap, whether you're an insurance agent or 
whatever you do, um, they, a lot of people just rely on referrals and mm. it's, it's almost, um, I think there's two aspects to it. I think one of it is pride. Like knowing I, I feel good knowing that, you know, people come to me. Right. Uh, but the other aspect is there's fear there, right. Of not wanting to try something new or different. So maybe you are the introverted type, not wanting to go network or not really knowing how to set up a marketing campaign. And so hiding behind that, oh, well, I just, I just do referrals. It can be a, you know, a security blanket of sorts for people. Um, and so I would encourage people to try to push beyond that, find someone that you trust who can maybe help you set up one of these campaigns or even yourself, if you want to just dabble, if you're tech minded, uh, you can do a lot of this digital marketing stuff on your own or figure out a little bit of SEO uh, just so you're trying something else because I mean, I love referrals. I get referrals sometimes too. They're the best kind of leads. They're they're easy to close because you're already come recommended. Uh, the only problem is you don't know when they're going to come in, and you don't know how many they're going <laughs> to are going to come in. So you can't really reach revenue goals if your only source of income is hoping that more will come this month. Oh, so true. Well, that's the the other piece is a couple of those funnels are are, are outbound, right? Cold email is an outbound. Yeah. Um, versus a funnel that's that's inbound like your SEO or, or your uh, uh, I guess LinkedIn LinkedIn's ultimately outbound too if you're making right. connection requests and mm-hmm. and you really want a combination of, of the two even if it's you know one's 10 percent the other's 90 percent and some people are more comfortable with with you know everybody wants inbound sales right we all we all want to hang our shingle and have 20 people knocking on the door and giving us calls saying hey i want your right. business right but the reality of that just isn't it's not right. very well, realistic if, if you have an ice cream truck you can drive it to the corner by the beach where people are walking along the boardwalk now you've got all that inbound traffic people are walking by is hot you're the only game in town right but on a online you've got to get in front of people uh and it's not as easy as just driving up somewhere. On the one sense, it kind of is. Like if you drive your business up to a Facebook group and start posting there, that's what you've done effectively. If you're putting your business in front of those people, so it, that's all you got to do is figure out where your customers are and go there. Sometimes there are multiple places, so you can post in multiple places. So similar concept. Oh, that's an interesting way to put uh, serving a Facebook group. It, it, you know, pulling up in your food truck <laughs> alongside the beach. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. If you're just sitting at home waiting for somebody to walk by, you know, your house is three blocks down from the nearest anything, right? right. You got to go to somewhere else where the people are. Well, and it's just helping people understand that, that there, there is a difference between inbound and outbound and, right. and, and, and opening yourself up to the idea of going out <laughs> to find people yes. is, is okay, right? It doesn't have to be door-to-door vacuum sales. Although if you go door-to-door to the right doors, eventually somebody will, is going to buy what you're, what you're offering. Um, and yeah. I think that can be the challenge for, for many entrepreneurs is a lot of them, they're knocking down the wrong doors. And so their, their conversion rates are, are, are super low, right? The way to get your conversion rate up is to know which doors that you, you want to be knocking on. And yeah. that's, that's where niching comes in, right? Niching down. Yeah. You know the riches are in the niches they say and i i heard a great analogy um, from a previous guest that just talked about the shared experience of a niche right if you know mm-hmm. the niche's language and and 
and that, that includes your website. If your website is speaking the right language and sharing the right stories, the people go and they, they read those stories and they say, oh, that's me. Right. And they and they feel it. You, we've all felt it. Right. We've all heard something or read something or seen a video on YouTube and go, wow, that guy's like in my head. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and when that happens, you've got an immediate connection to this yeah. person and, and you've made. I mean, I suppose it's like that food truck and taking that first bite of the taco going, oh, this is the taco I've been waiting for my whole life. And you know you're going to go on and tell your entire Facebook feed about that taco truck, right? And I think that's the kind of experience that, that people need to to create. And and it's so challenging for many of them to get down to that that level, get down to know to know which doors to knock on, to know who they really serve at that heart level to know which stories they really need to be telling. Yeah. And, uh, even though it's hard to do, it's worth doing for all these reasons, right? You've got to, um, be willing to, uh, fail a, a bunch of times, be willing to be told that, Hey, you're annoying, you know, unsubscribe, right? You, you've got to get over that. If, if you want to actually be an entrepreneur and be successful, you've got to realize that a lot of those failures come before the successes. Unfortunately, you know, some people get lucky, but uh, that's, that's just part of the process. Well, and, and seeing it as a process, right? Not seeing those as failures, but seeing them as ways that didn't work or ways that I, I need exactly. to change this a little bit. I need to tweak this. And, and, right. and really, it's testing. I'm not, I'm not really expecting this. And I think that's the challenge, right? When we put a Facebook ad out there, or we put a, a Google ad out there, or even our website, SEO, and we, we just expect it to work rather than putting it out there saying, hey, this is an experiment. We're going to see what works. I think, you know, the dollar a day Facebook idea is is so powerful and people want to. Well, what if I do two? Well, what if I do 10? No, do the dollar a day first and see which ones stick. And then and then do the ten dollars a day. Once, you know, one of those ads is like, oh, man, that one hit 700 people on a dollar a day. Imagine what it'll do at ten dollars a day. <laughs> Right. And, and I, I think I mean, that, so, that could be the challenge is that testing idea. Right. And so much of this is down to our own, you know, personal psychology or background and things that we get in our own way. Right. So if we're so uh, focused on pleasing everyone, then it's going to be really hard for you to do this, to put something out there, knowing that it might not be the one thing that works. Right. Um, or just being so terrified that someone's not going to like you. You, you kind of have to. Like you said, think of it as a process, learn from it, and uh, don't let it become permanent. Because if, if you're thinking in the back of your mind and, and you're questioning, am I good enough to do this? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Your brain will find ways to make that true. And <laughs> it will take an opportunity like, oh, my ad didn't work. I guess, you know, I wasn't cut out for this or marketing doesn't work anymore. I'm going to try something else. And so you bounce from thing to thing, spend all your money on courses, and you never make any progress because you're so worried about getting past that initial point or changing that story that you've been telling yourself, right? You don't, may not even realize it's there, but uh, it, it has to be worked on if you ever want to get past any level of success. Oh, stories are so powerful. And, and the most powerful stories are the ones we tell ourselves. Yeah. So obviously you've talked about niching down and getting down to, you know, who you really serve. But then I think there's an importance of knowing who you are, right? And that's part of mm -hmm. your brand. Obviously, yes. you, you've come up with a pretty cool brand in in uh, in Frobro and and 
your, your logo is behind you. For those that are just audio listening, you need to go check out uh, frobro.com and, and see Jeff's logo because it's kind of Jeff chilling in alien mode. <laughs> yeah, my but, green face and my aviator sunglasses. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the value of a brand and, and, and really seeing yourself as a brand rather than just as a person running a business. Uh, yeah, and, and that's tricky um, because it's always easier to see someone else that way than it is to look at yourself that way. So it's important to get feedback from other people, mentors, or people who are in this industry. Uh, but the reason it's important is because it makes you stand out and tells people, uh, it helps them remember you, right? It lets them know who you are and what you're about really quickly uh, once your brand is established. So for me, I wanted my personality to come through. Obviously, my logo has a big fro because I have a fro. Uh, and right now, it's not at its fullest size as it has been in the past, but it's still there. Uh, but part of how I help business owners is I, I want them to have a professional website, an online presence, but I also want their personality to come through, that uniqueness, right? It's easy to fade into the background because there's so many companies, companies that do similar things. And if you're not differentiating yourself somehow, whether it's in your niche or in your approach or uh, marketing, something's got to set you apart. Otherwise, why you? Why are you different than anybody else? And then what ends up happening is you start competing on price, which is a race to the bottom, and uh, you won't have fun in that competition, right? Because you just end up undercutting yourself, trying to, you're desperate for business, but then it's harder to uh, all your expenses each month because, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know that story. But the point is, if you can stay professional and bring your authenticity to that, uh, that's really valuable. And that's something that I try to help my clients with. Wow. That last bit you just shared is, is really important. I think um, that authenticity, being able to be yourself, um, there's there's definitely been a, a movement or a, a group of people in the online space, right? That, that go and, and rent the, rent the big Airbnb for the weekend and, 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 and it's rental sports car and go and take all their pictures for their website to put all of this, this up there. Yeah. And, and there's, I know there's entrepreneurs listening that, that don't have those things, right. They don't have, and they feel a pressure to, to put out those airs, right. To put on that facade. Um, and you mentioned authenticity and I, I use the word character authenticity and, and the value of being yourself, the value of just being who who you are and, and not worrying about having to be like somebody else, not having to keep up with some other online guru or or professional. Would you share your your perspective on on trying to, you know, trying to act like these people that have more than they do? Yeah, it's, it's hard because you hear the all the time. The advice is fake it till you make it right. Um, which on the one hand, it's like, I understand where it's coming from. It's you want to, um, you know, don't hold yourself back, right? Keep trying the new things until you're able to accomplish them. Uh, but on the other hand, if you're constantly faking it, then nobody's going to really know who you are. And at some point, are you going to, you know, shift and surprise them uh, to show them who you really are? Um, what I would say instead is uh, become the person who's capable of achieving the results that you want. So rather than faking it, just work on yourself and you'll get there a lot faster. Uh, just, 
and, and it might not be overnight, of course. It's just something that you got to start taking those steps. So if you decide, I want to be a person who makes X amount per month, then you work backwards and say, okay, what do I need to do to make that happen? Oh, I guess I need to learn how to hire someone, or I guess I need to learn how to, you know, get a second truck or whatever your business is. Um, and so look at it that way, like acquire the skills and the mindset shifts that you need to, to be capable of accomplishing those things. And then you'll be able to do it. Uh, so powerful. <laughs> and it, it's oversimplified, but it's true. I mean, absolutely. And, and yet at, at its basic level, the, that, that idea of fake it till you make it, you know, on one hand is a mindset, right? Just, just, mm -hmm. just do it, do something done is better than perfect. Right. right. And, mm -hmm. and done that you're willing to learn from is better than perfect because that's mm -hmm. the majority of people don't take that first step. They don't take the action, but once you take the action, then you have something to correct. You have something to fix. Right. And, and there's so many perfectionists that are trying to fix it before they even know what it is that needs fixing. And, so, and I don't know if that's a product of, you know, how our schools work where you're getting graded on things. Uh, but in the business world, I mean, you don't really get a grade. Your grade is just uh, your clients, right? <laughs> you either have them or you don't. And they either are returning clients or they're not. You know, are they talking about you, referring you to your friends? That's your report card. Um, and like you said, Robert, it's that iteration. So it's great to just do something, get it out there. But just keep doing it. It would be... <laughs> better than just do it. You know, you, you got to iterate and improve. Well, and I think that's one of the things many people have a challenge with is putting an offer out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they're running a business and, but until you put an offer out, you're not in business and, and it can take a hundred offers before you find one that, that that's really good. But if you put a hundred offers out that something's going to stick, something's going to work because in a hundred offers, you're going to learn something and, 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 and somewhere you're going to find one that communicates to the people you're trying to reach and, and somebody's going to give you money. Yeah. And, and that offer is so important too. Um, and if you have a really, really good offer that can make up for a lot of bad marketing. Uh, <laughs> it's true. You know, so if your offer is uh, unique, it's a better price or better position in the marketplace. It answers all the objections. Um, and, or nobody else is offering a guarantee like you are. If you've set all these pieces in place, it doesn't matter if your sales page isn't as, you know, is perfect, pixel perfect with every little piece in place. Uh, people will go for that offer. And then you can work on improving the other aspects of it and fleshing it out, optimizing it, making it prettier. But um, I mean, Todd Brown uh, has a lot of good content on creating a great offer. He's got his E5 method, which goes in a whole the whole funnel and everything, but he talks a lot about the importance of this offer and he'll break it down into the different aspects of it. So those are, you know, the price is one, but there's also those like the guarantees, you know, the risk reversal, uh, that's all part of your offer. How are you compelling someone to move forward with you? Is it just, I do websites, please hire me. Or is it, <laughs> you know, I'll make your website and I'll host it free for three months. And if you don't like it, I'll give you double your money back. Something like that. That, that makes people pause and say, wait, wait, what now? And and they want to hear the details and they're going to say, okay, I'd be willing to give that a shot because what do I have to lose? Make it easy for them to say yes. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, Alex Ramosi does similar um, offer building and, and and he talks about it, you know, make your, make your offer so good that it'd be stupid for them to say no. Exactly. We will be right back after this short break. 
This episode is sponsored by Perfect Publishing, a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing carefully chooses heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, I, and I, you know, the elements in there, right? You, you mentioned earlier about the idea of racing to the bottom on price. Mm-hmm. And obviously value is a, is a big word for me, right? I want to add value to people. But yeah. at the same time, it's recognizing the value in your services and the value in, and it's, it's crazy how value is different than price. Because if you, if you're offering value, you don't, you don't negotiate on price <laughs> and, right. and the value is so much greater than the price that, that people don't question the price when they see the value. And, and I think so many people get caught up in price because we've been taught to be price shoppers. We, you know, uh-huh. we, we price shop in the grocery store at the car dealer at the, at, and yet in this, in this space online, value is so much more important, right? Value stacking. You, you mentioned, you know, making sure your offer has all the, all the elements and, and then you stack the value so high that, all right, this seems like a really good deal. And then at the same time, take away the risk with a guarantee. Um, then it's like you said, it becomes a no brainer for people that are the right fit, right? You, you're talking their language, you're talking their pain and, and offering them a, a great solution. Um, how, how do entrepreneurs raise their price? Because when you raise your price, you increase the value, even if you're delivering the same exact service. And I think many people hear that and they go, what? what? It doesn't make any sense. But well, it's proven you know, itself out. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things at play there. There's the perception of value, right, versus the actual value that you're providing. So you need to make sure that uh, the perception of value is at least as high as the price that you're asking. Uh, and in reality, I would say you want to try to make sure the value you are providing is as high as possible relative to what you're charging so that people think they're getting, they feel like they are getting so much value because they really are. Uh, I, you're not a commodity in the sense like at the grocery store, you've got all these different kinds of pasta and it's just, okay, which one's the cheapest. But when it comes to the service that you're providing, whether that's online or in person, you need to differentiate differentiate yourself. This is some of the stuff that we talked about earlier, niching down, figuring out what's unique about you uh, and what sets you apart. Because once you do that, then they can't get what you're offering anywhere else because they can't get you anywhere else. So whatever unique thing you're bringing to the table, whether it's your experience or the way you do things, your process, something that can't be replicated by anybody else, that value that you assign to it is indisputable, right? There's nothing to compare to. You're the only one that offers it. And if the person wants the value you're offering, they will pay the price, right? Oh, it's such a good recognition, right? Because if your service becomes a commodity, then you are competing on price, right? Because then you're no different than the other guy around the corner or the taco truck across mm-hmm. the street. And, and you're competing on price with a little sign, the little sign war outside your windows, right? Yeah. <laughs> trying to differentiate yours from theirs. Yeah, oh, exactly. that's so, so true. Right. What is your, what is your unique element that, that makes it 
uniquely yours that no one else, no one else can match that you're the only one on the whole planet that can provide that. Right. Ooh. And sometimes it's hard to answer that question on your own, uh, just because we're, you know, taught to be humble and we feel like <laughs> if we're thinking about ourselves as how we're special. That makes us feel like we're prideful or not. Uh, and there's a difference between pride and confidence, of course, but it might be helpful to talk to friends and family and ask them or past clients too. You know, what am I good at? What, what stood out to you? Um, that makes me different. And that can kind of help get your wheels turning. Uh, you, it, it can be a process to figure that out, but you got to start that process sooner rather than later so that you can actually start dialing that in. Like you said, you figured out the smiling entrepreneur. Hey, that's a differentiator right now. Uh, people like working with someone that's happy and friendly. There's so many business people out there that are just cold and boring or only talking about numbers. And a lot of people don't like that. So, uh, now you might not appeal to someone on the other side who wants just, you know, a boring, strict numbers guy. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying you're not a numbers guy, but I, what I'm saying is there's people who want to work with someone friendly and now you are that guy, right? Exactly. Absolutely. And there are other elements in my offers that, that make them unique and of course, yeah. <laughs> focus, but, but they're, they're also tied back to the idea of a smile. I want to help entrepreneurs rediscover joy in their business. And, mm -hmm. and so it, it is an attitude game and it is. So the smile is a piece of that attitude. You know, the, the mindset is, and the smile is so powerful in, in mindset. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Those are elements that, that all combine together in, in making my offers unique to me. Yeah. And so, well, such great stuff. All right. You mentioned having mentors, having family. Let's talk about the power of mentors in your own journey. Yeah, I think it's so easy these days to be overwhelmed with information and mm -hmm. advice just because it's everywhere. People are posting it on their blogs, uh, there's podcasts, there's books. Um, and sometimes it conflicts, sometimes it, you know, corroborates with each other. And so you can't, it, it's really easy to have the analysis paralysis, right? Where you're going through all the courses and reading the books and you're like, okay, well, this guy says this, but that guy said I should do it this way. I mean, I, at the end of the day, you can't do everything. You can't keep up with everyone's content. So you do need to find a couple people who have gone before you in terms of doing what you're doing, what in your industry or who have achieved some of the goals that you want to achieve and stick with them. Uh, because the answer is there are multiple paths to success. Um, and it doesn't matter that this guy might say it a little differently from that guy because they got there on slightly different paths. Don't get hung up on that pick one and stick with it. Uh, and that's going to get you a lot farther than trying to take all the information. And then once I have a perfect plan in mind, I will execute. Right. So I, I heard uh, a long time ago, uh, there's a question, what's the difference between uh, a million dollar idea and a million dollars, million dollar execution, right? right. Ideas are a dime a dozen. And so if you find yourself holding on to ideas, like I've got this really great business idea, I can't tell anybody about it. I'm, I'm going to be, you know, it's really special. I, I understand, you know, you, it's personal because you came up with it, but, uh, people aren't so interested in stealing ideas. Um, some are of course, but it's always better to start implementing and to work with people who can help you achieve those ideas start executing rather than just keeping it to yourself and making it never come to fruition well and, and and at least in the spiritual realm i i believe if you don't do something or take action on the ideas they go to somebody else 
So, yeah. so it's not it's not unique to you, right? Yeah. I mean, how many how many times have you or your friends been watching their television commercials and say, "Oh, that was my idea," right? And right. and it, and of course, the difference between you and them is that they took action on it and, and executed it. it. And I think, yeah. you know, our this this mastermind piece around us this this you know what Napoleon Hill would call the the, the radio communication of our minds with with you know u- universal intelligence is mm-hmm. it and that's where these ideas come from and, and the creative source and, and I think if you don't honor them if you don't take action on them somebody else will and so there is no you this this no uniqueness and and the truth is if you're a really good executor and you're taking action on it no one's going to copy you because they don't want to do the work <laughs> so, so true. a lot of so, people don't Oh, they don't. And, and and people hold back their idea out of fear that somebody else is going to steal it and execute it faster. They won't trust. Just you've got to take action on it. and You've got to go out there and do it. So I encourage you. If you've got an idea that you think is worth a million dollars. Go out there and get it. Like just just yeah. start taking action towards the, the dream that you have inside of you about that being a million dollar idea. Um, right. I think- and even if people do copy you. Uh, you've heard the the term first mover advantage, right? If you're the original, mm. that that people will buy your version just because it is the original. Well, and and, and yeah, and if you're taking action, you're learning faster than they are. Exactly. So you'll always so be you steps ahead innovate of them. faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. All right, so. What's been the impact of, of being on podcasts and, and, and putting yourself out, sharing, sharing your story? Well, I think it's uh, helped me just to better articulate what I'm trying to do with my mission. I, I think I briefly touched on it earlier. I want to rid the world of terrible websites because <laughs> we've all had experiences with bad websites, whether they take forever to load or there's so many pop-ups that are getting in your way when you're just trying to do a simple task or what's really bad is when you try to click on a link and then something else loads and the page shifts down right under your mouse and you click the ad and now you're like, ah, (laughs) and now you're angry at that company, right? Because their website was so bad and it gave you a bad experience. So nobody wants that. And and I want to help entrepreneurs and business owners realize that they can do a few things to make their uh, businesses better. So I do like to share a few tips. I can give a couple here right now. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Pop-ups are one of those things that, they can be used well, but oftentimes they are not. So if you have more than one pop-up on a page, that's probably too many. Uh, if your pop-up, in my opinion, comes up right away when you first land on the page, that's annoying because usually people are going to the page, they have a reason in mind why they want to be there, right? So they're looking for something. And when you shove that in front of their face, that that's annoying. So what I would recommend is two things. Uh, First, don't show it right away. Wait until maybe they scroll down a certain percentage of the page, maybe two thirds of the way down, or wait a couple of minutes to give them time to read the content on the page and then show them the pop-up. And the second aspect of that is make sure that whatever's in your pop-up is providing value to that visitor. If you're just asking them for something like sign up for our newsletter, okay, why? You know, So at least offer something in, in return, right? Sign up for our newsletter and you'll get 20% off your first purchase, something like that. So that it gives them a reason to do it. You're providing value to them. They're not just going to be annoyed. They'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, instead of just feeling annoyed. So that's, that's an approach to pop-ups that can help everybody. Um, 
another thing would be making sure your site loads reasonably quickly. Uh, so make sure you have a good web host that is quick um, and make sure your website isn't too bogged down with largeages and things that aren't optimized. Um, and there's plenty of tools online you can use to see how fast it loads and what areas can be improved. Uh, if you have a, a webmaster, uh, they should be able to, to work on those things and make it load faster. Um, and you have to remember that not everyone has a high-speed internet connection. Uh, it, it, <laughs> maybe your prospects do, but uh, a lot of times people don't. Uh, they might be roaming. They might be uh, looking on their phone somewhere where the connection isn't that great. Or if they're at a coffee shop, that's usually bandwidth limited. Um, and so it, you want to make sure your site loads quickly, even on slower connections, uh, because people will leave. They go somewhere else. They, they judge you based on your website, how fast it comes up, how you know, what it looks like. Um, and then let's see, and those are a couple of things. Um, and, and just remember that principle, right? People are going to judge you based on your website. Uh, it's your first impression. So take some time to make it look good, make it look decent. Uh, make sure people can see that you are professional, uh, but they also can see you're different. Uh, and uh, you're not just another cookie cutter template website out there, right? Those are easy to spot now nowadays because so many people use the free page builders or, you know, just use a template. So put a little thought into it and it goes a long way. All right. I can so keep rambling uh, if you let me, but we can uh, move on. So, so a couple, well, I'm, I mean, I'll, I'll help you out here. So, so we'll, we'll share that. We'll share the rambling. I, <laughs> Google just released a new, a new standard in, in effective next year. And they're, they're using the better ads um standard and so this this group of um not just google right a group group of website and i don't know if you're familiar have you, have you heard of the better ads experience i've i've heard of it yeah yeah and, and so the better ads experience the very first thing it talks about is pop-ups and it talks about um you know some of the the other elements of of specifically advertising in, you know, in Google and in, in these spaces. Right. And I think Google's goal in adopting this as a standard is to make, I, I, I think the whole ad experience idea, right? The better ads experience is to get, listen to the consumers at least at a fair level, right? Ads are not gonna right. go away. That's how, the, how, that's how this internet is paid for, right? Right. And, mm -hmm. and so, why not create an ad experience that's at least on the up positive side for the consumers, right? The consumers are like, okay, we, I can tolerate this. It's okay. Right. We know just like we know ads aren't going away on television or radio. Those, those ads are, have been there for years and they're going to continue to be there as long as, you know, we're willing to keep watching. Although some of the streaming networks have found ways to, to offer ad free and they're trying to balance, you know, membership versus, versus advertising dollars, Google's income comes from advertising dollars. And so they want consumers to be satisfied, but they recognize that the people paying for the ads are also their consumer, right? Mm -hmm. But the better ads experience right away talks about pop-ups and how pop-ups are the most annoying thing, you know, based on, you know, consumer experience. And and so I appreciated you, you mentioning pop-ups. and. And the, the standards, I think, are are reasonable ideas, right? And, and that's why I think Google's willing to adopt that idea for for all of their ads, you know, starting next year, I think. 
Um, but it, it will be more challenging. And I think it just requires advertisers to be more intentional, right? They don't want, consumers don't want this in your face ad or ads that click automatically or, or videos that play automatically. And, and some right. of those, some of those standards, I think are just ways to, to force the advertisers to be more intentional about, right. let's, let's make our ad program so we don't piss all our consumers off. <laughs> right. Well, so many ads are kind of, it's almost short-term thinking, right? You're just trying to get that quick win um, as opposed to a longer-term strategy where you're, you are providing something of value to that customer. I mean, when, when Google gives you their search result page, the ads are at the top, but they are relevant to your search. So it's still something that could be a helpful resource for you, even though somebody paid to be in that position. So as long as you're providing value, I think that goes a long way in helping ease that experience. One, one other thing I'll mention about pop-ups since we're talking about them um, is when somebody X's out of it or hits cancel, you need to honor that request. So don't show that pop-up to them again on the next page. You got to wait at least a week before uh, you show it to them again. Um, and there are ways to do that to remember, you know, use cookies or whatever to tell you've closed it. But at least for that individual session, don't show it to them again. Uh, and, and that gives a subtle signal to that customer, right? That you listen to your customers and you, you've heard what they said. Okay, I've listened to you. You don't want to see that ad. I'm not going to show it to you again. Uh, as opposed to just beating them over the head with it. And then they realize, okay, you're just here for yourself. You, you don't actually want to help me. Well, especially for sites that you've purchased something or sites that you've done something and, yes. and you're a regular and you're logged in and, and this pop-up comes up. It's like, I signed up for that yesterday. How do you, how do you yes. not know that? Yes. <laughs> so be a little bit smarter. <laughs> and, and the technology exists to do that, right? That's the reason yes. that cookies cookies are so powerful is because they, they can help you to, yeah. instead of using the cookies for evil, <laughs> use the cookies for good. That's I guess right. It's, it's cookies should be way. delicious. Yeah. And, and, and it really is. I mean, obviously cookies are a powerful tool, but mm -hmm. most people have been typically using them in a selfish way rather than in a service way. And if you can serve your customers, think about your website as a service tool rather than as this vacuum cleaner to suck all the people in and, and take it, you know, stick the, stick your hand in their pocket every chance you get really is how can I add value? How can, how can I be serving them while they're here visiting my website? Because that's, what's going to make them want to come back and, and, and making it as convenient as possible. Yeah. I think we don't think about customer service experience when we think about our websites and in a lot of cases, right? And I think, Obviously, Amazon does. Amazon has, yes. right? Mm -hmm. They want to make it as few clicks as possible for you to purchase. They want you to, to spend as little time on their website as possible if that's what you're there for, right? Mm -hmm. I'm here to buy this piece for my lawnmower. Click, click, I'm out and done. And and I yeah. think when, when people build their website, they get caught up in all of the gadgets and gizmos and, and don't really map out a customer journey. What is it? What does the customer got to go through <laughs> when they come onto the website? And, and and we need to simplify it. Customers expect expediency and simplification. And I don't know that people think about customer journey when it comes to their website. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of people don't, especially if they're building it themselves. Um, it's easy to have fun with all the little widgets and fancy tools and say, oh, cool, I can put these sliders in. Uh, but if you look at the statistics and things, you know, 
if you've got eight slides and a slider, nobody's going to see more than two, maybe three before they've scrolled down the page. And so you're wasting a bunch of load time for all those images that are never going to be looked at. So it's better to be intentional about, uh, like you said, the customer journey. What are they there for? How can you serve them the most efficiently and help them get to where they want to go right away? Yeah, so when they click to buy, they don't have to click to buy and then, oh, click here again. Oh, and click here again before they give you their name and address and credit card number. They're, mm -hmm. By then, they're irritated and gone. Right. Well, and also keep things consistent, right? So if you send an email and say, okay, go to my website to pay your invoice, but then you've changed where you have the button or you change the wording so it doesn't match what you had in the email, that's just causing frustration. Uh, so you, if you're going to change something, you need to change it everywhere and make sure that it actually lines up with what you're telling people. And then you got to remember where you put it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it should be in an obvious place, right? If it's an important thing that's used often, that should be more visible than something that is less important that is less frequently used. I mean, it, it sounds dumb saying it out loud, but a lot of people don't think about that when they're doing their site. So they're just like, I think I need a home page, an about page, and a contact page, maybe a services page. Uh, but there's no other thought involved in how this serves the customer. It's just information that they put on the site. Like I offer these products. Here's my information. Well, and then, and then there really is a back end, right? You have the opportunity to use your website to, to better service your customers. Like you said, here's a place mm -hmm. to pay your invoice. Here's a place to get customer information. But if you bring those customers back into the same homepage as, as potential clients, I mean, really, it becomes a, a separate, a separate opportunity. <laughs> and right. if you're bringing them into the same website and it, as a sales opportunity, it definitely can be confusing for your customers. So having having a back different back end where they that they've logged into and 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 can have a different a customer experience versus a sales experience that those are definitely different different tools yeah. that websites have the opportunity to provide. Yeah, and you can have different landing pages for different campaigns that you're running. So if you're running ads on one platform, you can send them to one page uh, versus if you're running a radio ad, you can send them to a different page. Um, that way you can track your statistics differently. You know how effective the campaigns are, but you can all customize the experience of that person because you might be talking to a different uh, potential, you know, whatever that target persona is, you can customize it to make sure you're speaking their language like we talked about earlier is that status alignment you can immediately get on the same page and they know they can trust you and, and that you'd understand them and so they're going to want to work with you ah, so powerful all right so with all the business success you've had with frobro since 2016 uh, what's been your biggest challenge uh, my biggest challenge is uh finding ways to make sure that i'm uh, bringing my level of quality and my uh, differentiation to my clients as I grow and scale and take on additional clients. So I want to make sure that what I'm promising, I'm actually delivering because it's obviously when I first started way back when, and it was just me, okay, I knew what I can provide. Uh, but as I grow my team, I'm intentionally doing so in a careful manner so that uh, I have those in place. I have checks for quality and make sure that nothing gets missed and that the experience is the same as if someone's just working with me one-on-one. -on -one. Nice. So, so let's talk about that, that idea of, of hiring and, and scaling mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur. 
Yeah, I think not everyone wants to do that, which is fine. Um, so you got to understand what your goals are too. So you know, okay, is this where I want to stay? Do I like being a freelancer or do I have ambitions to grow my business larger to hire people, etc.? cetera? Um, I think for me, I've always known I wanted to have a larger uh, business uh, to be able to serve more customers and uh, get rid of more terrible websites on a larger scale. Um, but it, it has involved finding uh, partners and contractors that I vet and make sure that their level of quality of work uh, is up to my standards um, and that I can uh, provide that service you know, through them or with them uh, on behalf of my clients uh, and still be comfortable putting my name on it. Uh, so I've got different teams for different uh, services that I provide. So I've got an SEO team that's separate from my ads team, you know, because over here they're good at media buying. I've got a graphic designer. Uh, each stage of the process should be done by different people because that actually means I can provide an even better service than I could have done on my own because I can do a little bit. Uh, I know SEO. I know how to build a website. I can optimize it. But if I've got a graphic designer doing the website, uh, design. Then I've got a copywriter working on the messaging on each page. I'm I'm now giving you additional expertise at each phase of the process, and so you're ending up with an even better result. Um, and so I'm kind of using that uh, to my advantage because uh, obviously we talked about price earlier. The value I'm providing for the price is going up, uh, and I'm able to serve more people too. So uh, for me, that that's kind of the goal, right? I want to be able to serve more people. Uh, provide great value and expand my reach. So how important has your vision been in adding those team members and, and power partners and, and contractors? Uh, it, it's helpful because it can uh, let, uh, let us all know where we're headed, right? So if we know what our goals are and what we're trying to accomplish, then we can work on that uh, independently and together. Um, and so when there's a doubt, that mission can help push us forward in the right direction. Um, I, I, one of the other things I look for when I'm either hiring someone or finding a contractor, VA, whatever it is, um, I want to make sure they have a good attitude uh, because uh, skills can be trained, but attitude, you're, most people are kind of stuck with that. And it's a lot harder to change that. So I'd rather have someone with a good attitude who's trainable than someone who maybe has experience in that field, but is terrible to work with. All right, but is there a pro requirement? <laughs> no, all hairstyles are welcome, but pros <laughs> are always appreciated. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't quite qualify. I can't right. send you a wig if you'd like. Oh, hey, I appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity to be a part of the team. I like it. So, <laughs> Jeff, what do you, what do you love to do in your free time? Uh, well, I've got three boys. I've got. Uh, a six-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old, and a one-and-a-half-year-old. So I like to spend Woo. time with them, do fun things, uh, expose them to all the fun, cool parts of the world, whether that's factory tours or amusement parks or you know, all sorts of things out there because there's just so much to learn and explore. So doing that with them is uh, a lot of fun and what I like to do. Nice. Those are uh, almost fun ages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're getting better. The younger ages are hard when you're losing sleep, but... Uh, <laughs> They're still fun. Well, for me, it was losing sleep and, and they can't tell me what's wrong. <laughs> that too. Once, yes. once they're able to tell me what's wrong, it's like, all right, we can deal with this now. That does help a lot. Yeah. My three and a half year old sometimes says that problem. But yeah. 
Well, kids can kids can be a blast and, and definitely a, a humbling, <laughs> humbling as well as as much as they are gratifying. Yes, it's a very educational experience in itself. Well, I love that you want to show them factories and 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 show them things that are happening in the world because that's that's what's going to lead to them believing in themselves as entrepreneurs and believing in possibility rather than yeah. rather than thinking that, that they have to just get stuck in a job someplace. Yeah, exactly. So I want them to know everything that's out there. Nice. All right. So you've mentioned you want to rid the world of terrible websites, but, but what's the big dream, Jeff? Well, you mean for me personally or for Frobro? For, for you personally. Well, I would love to uh, keep getting rid of terrible websites on a larger scale uh, with Frobro. That's why I'm trying to grow the business. Eventually, I'd want to even take on, you know, places like GoDaddy, where it's kind of the, the default in a lot of people's minds, like, oh, I'm going to start a business. I'll go get a, a GoDaddy website. But if I could replace that and kind of step in, I feel like I'd be able to be a more meaningful partner for these uh, new business owners uh, to kind of help them along the way instead of it being a self-service. Oh, here you go. Here's the cheapest possible uh, domain with the cheapest possible terrible hosting that's going to be really slow and uh, you, you know we're not going to really help you and i'm sorry if somebody from godaddy is listening but my experience hasn't with them over the years and so what i want to do is be more of a partner instead of just a, a commodity in that sense like we talked about earlier uh, to help the business not just create the website but also use it to grow their business so uh, that's what i'm aiming for um, and along the way if i can use that to uh, improve my own family's financial position to be able to take my kids on uh, more global expeditions and, you know, see the wonders of the world and keep exposing them to those type of things, even beyond my local area. That's what I'm going to keep doing. So Nice. I like it. All right. So spent the last hour or so chatting with all these entrepreneurs in our audience and you want to leave them with Jeff's words of wisdom. What would you share? Well, uh, I'd say get started. Uh, we talked about that. It is good to um, get something out in the world. And just remember that as you do that, it's not the last thing you have to put out. doesn't matter if it's not perfect. You can improve it. Uh, it's not a failure until you quit. Uh, it's just a learning experience along the way. So uh, set those goals, get out there, start working on them. Uh, and don't be afraid to reach out to people like Robert uh, who can help you get those questions answered. Um, someone who's done this before and can help you avoid some of those pitfalls. And build a website. <laughs> it's important. Yeah. And even if your first website is not perfect, get something up there. It's better to have one than not have one. And then you can make it better over time. Absolutely. And eventually you can hire me to help. <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much for hanging out, for sharing so much great wisdom and, and so many tools to, to help people really um, make changes. I think you, you shared some actionable advice that they could make changes on their website today. So I appreciate um, you sharing those things. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Robert. It was a lot of fun talking with you. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. If you're struggling with stress, feel like life is out of control, run out of time before your to-do list is finished, well, we have a gift for you. Stop by addvaluemindset.com and claim your free gift today. In our next episode, Anthony Truck shares about how mindset is only a piece of our identity. And when life happens, it is your identity that determines if you're running towards the challenge or away from it. He wants to help others make an identity shift 
that leads them to the life they desire.